All right, hey everybody, you're listening to What's Your Number? The chronicles of two well-traveled women as told through sexual experiences. I'm Olivia, recording from Barcelona. And I'm Mariah, recording from Boston. This is the podcast where we tell each other the story of every person we've ever slept with, starting with number one. It is. And today um, we're going to be talking about Olivia's number 15. Um, very exciting. Uh, we kind of had a cliffhanger last episode with Olivia's number 15. Um, we last left you boarding a flight to Mexico. You were still in a long distance relationship with number 13, but you'd recently had the best sex of your life with number 14 behind number 13's back. Correct. Yeah, that's, uh, there's no other way to Sums say it. it. Up. <laughs> Pretty much. When you put yeah. it like that. When you put it like that. Hashtag no regrets. Um, goodness me. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah. He my, deserved it. I, I, it's more like he deserved it in retrospect, but we'll get there. We'll get there. One thing at a time, yeah. Olivia. One okay. thing at a time. All right. So my story picks One up. One at a time. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen, Mariah. <laughs> not for a long time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, but yes, we do. We go dick by dick. That's true. And um, yeah. what's funny is that number 15 is just right at the end of this one, but Anyhow, so yeah, I'm leaving Colombia. Um, it's been a couple months that kind of felt like years because they were so action-packed um, sexually and otherwise. Um, I'd met a very sexy individual who you mentioned, number 14, mm-hmm. who seduced me. Mechanic salsa dancer. Uh-huh, mechanic by you. day, professional salsa dancer by night. <laughs> <laughs> From Cali. Who, yeah, um, hella seduced me, but not before number 13 had boarded the first plane of his life to fly across the continent to celebrate my birthday, get me pregnant. Um, obviously, that wasn't the plan, but that is what ended up happening. So, oh my God. I fly to Mexico with Vicencio after all of this whirlwind. Um, by the way, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but that's not the right fake name for Vicencio. Because, like, I oh. <laughs> I know. I meant to use the name that I thought his mom was going to name him, but then couldn't because his aunt decided to name his cousin that or something like that. And... <laughs> And I thought that that name was Vicencio, but it's not. And he found out and he was like aghast, not at all impressed that I was using the word Vicencio. Um, He's like, that's not my alter ego name, but it's too late. Here we are. So for the purposes of this podcast, he's Vicencio. Okay. It's, it's definitely too late to change. I'm, I'm locked in. I know I'm locked in. And once again, I can't remember the real name, which I think is what happened the first time. I remember that we were recording and I was scrolling through my WhatsApp messages trying to find it. Couldn't find it. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Vicencio. So I just went with it. Anyways, 
And the rest is history. And the rest is history. Yeah. So here, here we are. We're, we were supposed to go to my dad's house in Michoacan um, together, but Vicencio got held up at the airport in Mexico City by the border police, and he wasn't allowed to enter um, for reasons that we'll never really understand, but have always seemed totally illegitimate. But anyways, I wait outside the there for hours, and then they finally let him send me a message that he's not coming. And I go on without him, and I make my way to my dad's place. At this point, I'm just very depressed and anxious because I know I'm pregnant. Like, I haven't gotten the test yet, but... Oh, my God. Deep inside, I know. <clears throat> literally, and this is my... This is you are this is literally my nightmare at this, this is age. Every like whenever nightmare. I mean, except whenever unless I've you're trying abroad. to have a baby, but yes. <laughs> I used to think like when I was traveling abroad, I used to just be like an ultra high alert because I'd be like, it's gonna be really hard to get an abortion. Right. You know, here. Exactly. Yeah. So I was yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Literally every twenty something girl's nightmare. I was freaking out. And I mean, look. It's not that big of a deal because like one in four women or whatever. And so on a podcast like this, there's like a 50-50 chance that there's going to be an abortion story. Okay, so here it is. This is the abortion story. <laughs> but like, you know, obviously looking back on it now with the benefit of perspective after some time and and like processing and stuff, I have my own reflections on this experience. I think what made it really hard in the moment was that I was broke and I was too ashamed to borrow money and just change my flight and go back to the States and get a legal abortion. Um, as it was, I was in Mexico, which as you alluded to, um, there isn't legal abortion there. So I'd have to do it at home with just Vicencio taking care of me. Oh God. And I don't recommend this approach. Okay. Don't try abortion at home at my dad's house. Yeah. While he was oh. at his birthday party. God. Mm. Oh my God. I am just like, wow, this is, you're so brave. Yes. Brave, stupid. You know, it's like Desperate. there's a big <laughs> broke <laughs> alone. You know, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of, it's a Venn diagram of factors here, but yeah, I was kind of like, I can handle this. And then Jesus. But anyways, um, number th 13 was not being at all helpful. He was like, have the baby come back to Chile and you know, we're going to raise it together. This is the fruit of our love. And oh God. I mean, like I was young and dumb, but I wasn't that young and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I oh my God. That, that one of the kind of unfortunate things that did come out of this experience was that I totally developed a chip on my shoulder about men not caring about your body or getting you pregnant. And, um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of men don't. Like the boyfriend of a friend of mine once said that the best form of contraception is just fucking girls that have dreams. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's pretty empty words being like, come to Chile, I'll raise this baby. It's like, you know, that's not going to happen. But um, yeah, you know, or it just felt like, yeah, I was going to take full responsibility for to people's misjudgment but um yeah the day of you know number 13 was supposed to be on a video call with me um and then at one point like when things really started to get rough like 
like I was having really intense cramps. And he was like, told me that he needed to take a shit and use the indelible exit line. I need to abort a brown one, as in like a brown person. And he left and never came back. What the fuck? Yeah. Was he just like, couldn't handle Like, was he like too emotional to handle it? Or was he like... Too emotional to handle it? Mariah, he's just a piece I, of shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But I, I guess I was just like, why was he being a piece of shit? Like, was he just like this? Yeah. He's just really a piece of shit. I mean, yeah. I can't come up yeah. with any excuse for that. <laughs> no, not saying that it was like... Not saying that would have been an excuse by any means, but I guess, yeah, I guess like knowing that he like didn't want it and that he comes from somewhere that is probably like Catholic, like, you know, what do you think he was just like, oh my God, it's like too much for me. And then just is like, I'm going to dissociate and fuck off now. Or do you think it was more just like garden variety piece of shit? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that it doesn't really matter to me at this point. It's like, you know, you can have your own feelings about something, but then you don't just say you're going to go like, Abordado Moreno and like, yeah, that's say you're going to like go take a shit and then just never come back. I mean, it's just kind of, it's a level of, um, of just not caring about anyone but yourself. No, it's extremely that's, fucked up. That's it's just like really kind of actually crazy. Um, it is. It's sadistic. Yeah. So also I just think it's like in a way that sure, whatever, he's raised Catholic, he's raised whatever the fuck. I mean... I don't know. I'm also just tired of that excuse, but whatever. I just think that um, it doesn't mean that you don't show up and take at least half of responsibility for something that you can't take responsibility for. I mean, all I'm asking is that you stay on a phone call with me Mm -hmm. while I go through this. That's like 100% both of our fault, you know? Anyways. Yeah, and you guys are like supposedly in love and in a relationship. Right. And then there's that. A supposedly monogamous one. Well, yeah. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of things that are supposedly happening right now. And we are both delusional. But anyways, okay. So he leaves me there alone. And yeah, I'm just bleeding out in the worst pain of my life. And I'm pretty sure I'm about to become a statistic. Oh, in, God. Die. Yeah, I oh really, really felt like I was on the edge here. And oh, then, God, I would be so terrified. Yeah, so it was very scary. Um, again, like I was saying before, I just feel like the whole thing comes down to shame and resources, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be a big deal. But the, like, and this is the same case for a lot of people today in the U.S. or in other places where um abortion isn't super accessible. It's like, if you don't have resources and if you feel like you have to hide what you're going through, then you put yourself in these like really scary situations that are totally, Mm -hmm. you know, not necessary. And I kind of surprisingly, I mean, I sort of surprised myself thinking back that I fell victim to that shit just because I was raised in this sex positive pro-choice household, you know, but 
it was 2015 and Hillary Clinton was on the campaign trail saying that abortion be, should be like safe, legal, and extremely rare. And I just felt like I had no excuse for getting pregnant. And I think I internalized all that shame and thought I needed to go through this traumatic experience or like I couldn't get a lifeline. Um, so you're saying like you could have like called your mom and like flown home or like there's another way you could have done it that wouldn't have been yeah. so risky. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And also, I do think that these abortions that are medical abortions are way more painful than they need to be. But I guess since the way I did it in Mexico, I only had like half of the medication that they normally give you. And I don't know if that's what made it like so bad. But either way, if you don't do it under a doctor's supervision, like you're there wondering like what's going on, you know? Oh, God. Um, Oh, God, Olivia. (laughs) Poor Olivia. Yeah. So so I don't want to, like, go so deep into this. Anyways, it's just, like, too much. But, um, yeah. So point is, is, like, abortion should be safe, legal, and painless. Like, it's self-love. It's all good. Agreed. If you have the power to bring life into the world, I mean, you have the power to take it out. That's how I see Mm -hmm. it now, you know, after this long and a lot of reading of um you know women who run with the wolves and shit like that but I didn't have like all of that wisdom then um or I hadn't I just you know you just see the world a bit differently after these things Mm -hmm. sometimes you know there's experiences like like some things that you've talked about too on the podcast it's just like afterwards you just it's kind of a a shift in in how you think about things but um Mm -hmm. yeah so of course anyways uh the story has to kind of pivot now (laughs) because (laughs) this is actually the end of my yeah I gotta get to the next dick this is actually the end of my big adventure like backpacking around Latin America it's over you know I'm there on the bathroom floor Vicencio's changing my hot water bottle and wondering if he's gonna have to take me to the hospital and end scene I go to Philadelphia <laughs> like it's it's a really weird way to end the trip to say the least it's um yeah it's just so it, it's it's odd and then things change kind of pretty rapidly in my life in the sense that I go back to the states um go back to Philly which is where I'd gone to college and I have a lot of good friends living there and um, guess who hit me up, you know, before my wheels even hit the ground in Philadelphia International? It was number eight. You know, oh, number wow. eight. He's a friend of mine from college, the one who visited me in Portland. Indeed. Familiar with the familiar <clears throat> with the man. <laughs> so yeah. Individual. We reconnected. Um he took me out for some like really expensive cocktails that for some reason I wanted to pay half of. Still think about that. Um, <laughs> I think I was unsure if I wanted to fuck and that was my way of like covering myself, you know. If you pay for like half of a date, then you don't feel like you're like, I'm still just deciding where this is gonna go. Yeah, I don't I don't do that anymore. Like I I feel like now I'm like, um, I'm sorry, but I spend way more money like trying to look good and having to kind of fulfill the society's standards of beauty. You could buy my goddamn drink. Absolutely. Like, Definitely. Yeah. Like at the time that was like feminist, you know. It was like I'm 
there was something about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, also, just like he invited me out and right. he picked a super expensive place because he was making good money. Like, why wouldn't he? And he wanted to pay. But I was just like, oh, yeah. Eh. Anyways, it's like yeah, my maxed out credit card. I'm just like biting my nails. Like, is it going to go through? <laughs> Fucking such a disaster, such a disastrous time. But um, <laughs> yeah, we do end up sleeping together. And I don't know, it's kind of weird. Like, I just don't think I was quite ready to have sex. Like, after the abortion, like for a while, sex was kind of weird for me um and I just you know I think that I was in a vulnerable place to put it mildly and mm-hmm. you know we're gonna have to circle back around to this later because like we don't have all goddamn day and number eight is like I <laughs> have <laughs> just a, a passing comment because you know it's it's discussion for another time because like I think he comes he's part of a pattern of mine of, you know, meeting people, sleeping with them, parting ways, meeting up again, sleeping together again, parting ways, etc. like ad nauseum and just kind of sometimes being into that and then sometimes it making me feel bad for sort of un- unquantifiable reasons. And I think at this particular moment, like, it did not feel great Mm -hmm. because he definitely didn't want to date or even like hang out super regularly and he wanted to hang out with our friends and just you know have it be like nothing had ever happened which I don't know for me that at that point I was just like what's going on so anyways you needed yeah yeah I think I just needed somebody to hold me (laughs) yeah I, mean, I was like, you needed a hug. <laughs> I needed a, I needed a hug. You probably needed somebody to not like need not to just want to yeah. fuck you. Yeah, like because I think there's just some is something that's gets super degrading about, especially at this age and you're kind of mid twenties. It feels like everyone just wants to fuck you. Yeah, and like sometimes you just want a friend, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I, I yeah. Yep. And you think, and it's like, you also want to fuck because like, why not? Everybody does. But then when the person like gets up and makes himself a coffee and like doesn't offer you one, it starts to feel weird. It's like, I thought we were friends. So anyways, that's fucking bizarre. Agreed. Yeah. But like not knowing how to ask for what you need partly at that age too. Yeah, I mean... Or being willing to. If that happened now, I would just be like, excuse me? Like, you're really not going to offer me a coffee? And then I would leave and I would never go back. But at this time, I think, like, I was like, oh, my God. And I just was like, all right, well, I guess I'll see you. And then, you know, slept with him again the next time we got drunk at a party because I was just like, but you do like me. Like, I'm so confused. Yeah, You know, I just would get into that pattern. This was definitely, like, I feel like we're still in your, like, chill phase. Oh, You're, deep. like, so chill. I was you're so, so chill. You're so chill right now. Yeah. I, you're so, so I mean, an abortion, whatever. It's fine. I'll, <laughs> it's fine. I can go on a date. I can pay for my own drink. I can. Like, it's yes. no big deal. It's no big deal. Yeah. And then, and then I'm just having these, like, full-on, just on-the-floor panic attacks. Like, what is my life, you know, in the privacy yeah. of my own um, home where I'm living alone in my thesis advisor's like 
empty house with no furniture. It's a really bizarre time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like what's going on on the inside and what's going on, on the outside. Two very different things. So, yeah, shortly after I got settled in Philly, if you can call it that, <laughs> um, a very good friend of mine from high school ended up moving to New York. And yeah, so we'd always had what you could call a flirtatious relationship. I mean, there was a lot of cuddling. There was a lot of sleeping in the same bed, a lot of kissing, a lot of kissing while we were on drugs. Um, I really loved and cared about him and I, I still do. And we had so much in common and so we much still in common. do. So much in common, Mariah. <laughs> And oh so he's a motherfucker. No, just <laughs> and you know, sometimes it felt like we should add the physical attraction to all that love and everything else that we had going for us and, you know, make it into something more. And then on the other hand, it seemed like we shouldn't do that because, I mean, we had this amazing friendship. We didn't want to ruin that. Also, it didn't always feel 100% right. In a way, that's kind of hard to explain. But then again, sometimes I just thought that maybe we felt weird because we never kind of let things get out of hand. I mean, we'd never had sex. And so we were kind of always holding back and maybe we weren't sure. And around and around we went. But anyways, at least I went around and around in my thoughts about the whole thing. Of course, most of the time we were just really truly friends because one of us would be in a relationship or we'd be living in different places. Um, and then once in a while, we'd both be single and we'd both be in the same place. And these questions would kind of rise to the surface, at least for me, um, mm -hmm. because we never would speak about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that, that makes total sense. If you never clear the air on something, you might have some unresolved questions like you might seems logical you might yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so one such moment uh was here new york circa 2015 and um we got super drunk one night and with another friend of ours from high school and then we went back to his place number 15's place and we had sex and i honestly don't remember much about it. I blacked out kind of in the middle of it because, yeah, this was after a lot of gin and tonics. <laughs> I feel like we would never have been able to have sober sex, you know? Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. The next morning, I do remember it was, you know, very sweet and not at all awkward or or weird. Um, I didn't stay very long, though, because I had a train to catch, so... We didn't have to go through that, like, he gets a coffee and tells me to leave. No, I'm just kidding. He would <laughs> yeah. never do that. Um, but, no, we didn't have to really sit in it, I guess, at all, because I was on my way out. and um, Yeah, I had that leave in energy. Oh, did I ever. <laughs> um, yeah, so then the next time we saw each other, I guess to put it succinctly, I wanted to fuck again, and he didn't. And... Yeah, where did that leave us, really? I mean, with our friendship still intact, like, I wasn't going to let it fall apart over that. I don't think either of us ever would have, really. But anyways, 
I was hurt, but I grinned and bared it. And like, I was just happy also. I mean, happy. I really needed him at this time. Speaking of needing a hug, Jesus. Yeah. He was like my, one of my main um, confidants at this time. And I had a lot of other shit going on. Like I was still talking to number 13. Um, I was still processing everything that had happened with the pregnancy. I was just trying to survive living all alone in this big empty row house in South Philly and working in an Italian restaurant at East Pashyunk and like just having a weird ass time. So yeah. There that sounds go. like a weird ass time. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're getting into the chapter of our lives that is like, we're more, I don't know, kind of that weird early twenties kind of figuring out what you're doing kind of phase, um, which is like, you know, I feel like we talked about this before in the podcast, but being in your early thirties is so nice compared to being in your early twenties. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's just this shit show of like, what do I do? I want to do this, but I can't make a living. How do I make a living? How do you know, where do I live? Where do I belong? Like who are my friends at this age? Like what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of what the fucks and wanting to kind of have everything on and have it all, you know, wanting to like travel all the time and also have a library. <laughs> Like yeah, have all your books or just you know these things. Uh, that, like, I'm still in that phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I took that example, but it's like, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'll look back on 31 from 41 or whatever and be like, "Wow, I had no idea," you know. But it's just like it. Yeah. I think it just gets easier because shit like when you're there's something about being this age and everything's just happening for the first fucking time and it's like wow like I feel like you have to go through it you know you Mm -hmm. have to go through it and I feel like you and I were like we're we're really gonna go through this shit because (laughs) I feel like we're very like I don't know I think probably because neither of us wanted the conventional lifestyle and I think that was like a huge part of it is like our path was not necessarily laid out ahead of us. Like not at we all. wanted anything but the path that was laid out ahead of us. And that definitely takes a little bit of messiness. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know. It's definitely a time in life when you don't know like what you want. You're trying to do like the alternative thing or whatever. But then it's like, I think it's weird how sex was like this weird currency as well. Yeah. And so sometimes we had sex with like our friends or people we didn't want to have sex with. And like, we didn't like, we weren't, I feel like almost like aware of its power yet. We weren't aware of like the ties that come of it and mm-hmm. like the weird feelings that can come. We, we thought we were impervious. Like we were too busy being chill. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we wanted to kind of deny yeah. it. I think, yeah, I spent a long time doing exactly that. Just being like, well, but I can, have sex with all these people and like I'll just be myself my little individual Olivia I'll still be really independent and I'll be free and it's not gonna really matter but I'm just gonna enjoy the moment and you know this is around the time when I got into astrology (laughs) (laughs) and learned learned that um my Venus and Mars are in Cancer, which, like, if you don't mm. 
fuck with astrology, then don't worry about it. If you do, then you you just realized why. That was never going to fucking work for me because, you know, it's just too many, too many tears, too, too yeah. many emotions, like getting all, all up in your like sex and romantic life. And it took me so long to just um, be okay with that part of myself because it's so easy yeah. to be a version of yourself that you think you should be, you know, and we see... I think these kind of manic pixie dream girl archetypes sort yeah. of getting pushed on us when we're young and we just think, yeah, like I'll just be really cool and I'll be like Natalie Portman in that one movie <laughs> with Zach Braff. And then uh-huh. in the end, though, it's going to be fine because he is going to fall like head over heels in love with me and I'll still get that validation. And then like when that didn't happen... I was just like, the fuck? I did everything right. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. And it, you you expect somebody to kind of like, I guess, romantic comedies kind of train you that, you know, you're just chill or whatever. You do your thing. And then finally somebody will come along who's really into like do the work to get past your rough exterior and like, kind of, I don't know, romantic gesture you into a relationship. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And instead these dudes were just like, all right, see you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like, they're like, I like you, but I like, I mean, actually I, I will, I will say I almost, in some ways it's almost like the highest compliment um, of a friend to be like, I care about you. And like so much as a friend that I don't want. And I know that we wouldn't work as a, a couple or whatever. And I don't want to go down that road. I'm not saying that necessarily yeah. it was that case here. But I know personally with me, like I feel like I've had like I've had I've, I've had a lot of friends that I've hooked up with. And mm-hmm. I've had only a few friends who've been like, no, I care too much about a friendship. I don't want to do that. And I've appreciated that because I'm like, actually, it's like kind of going back to what we were saying. Sometimes what you really need is friendship. I mean, a lot of the time what you really need is friendship. And like you're like DTF and like you think that that's all, what it's all about. But it's if someone's like willing to kind of take a stand and be like, no, mm-hmm. actually, it's deeper than that. Um, yeah. That's beautiful as well. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Not sure that's what's hap- what happened in this case, but yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a totally legitimate interpretation. I, I mean, it's definitely one of the things that was happening, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, I like it. Nice. Awesome. Nice Love read. It. Nice read, Mariah. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, the, the 31-year-old Mariah has <laughs> a different take on things, as it were. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, Seriously. I was a little, I used to be a bit more nu- nuclear, as you can see from my uh, relationship with number 15. Okay. As you'll see in my number 15. Or Next wait, week. Uh, as you've seen. <laughs> as you've seen. Right? Because are we alternating? Oh, fuck. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. As you saw. <laughs> as you saw with my number 15. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, yes, thanks we will for listening. see you next week. See you next week with more Mariah. If you come and get me, I swear I'll make it easy. On my eyes is what you are, and I don't care. Who knows? It makes Thanks for listening to What's Your Number. 
This episode was produced by Olivia and Mariah. Music is by No Fancy. You can learn more about us and check out our blog at whatsyournumberpod.com. We are on Instagram at whatsyournumberpod and on Twitter at therewasthisguy. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, leave us a review wherever podcasts are found and subscribe to hear about more sexcapades. Sexcapades.